live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Thursday, Cofield and Company. Silver 7's is the site. Adam Candy is here with us. Big day of football to get to. Thursday night football, although in a way, a tremendous game has been overshadowed by another one of the uh, miscreants of the NFL and another one of the owners who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. It's crazy. We're on the heels of finding out that we have the Super Bowl. I'm sure Adam Candy is going to be uh, rah-rah and pom-poms about that. We'll get to that a little later in the show. we got a ton of good guests coming in, a little Browns preview, a lot on the Urban Meyer football culture. Uh, Draw Cherry does radio in Cleveland and played in the NFL. He'll jump on board with us, and then we've got a cavalcade of stars on the way. Silver 7s, 77-cent beers once the game starts. Check that. Once the VGK game starts, 77-cent beers. That continues throughout the NFL game, and that special is good for all Vegas Golden Knights games and all NFL games. It's Trending at 2, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Well, before we get to the uh, nightmare that is Jacksonville and Urban Meyer, Candy, first of all, how you doing, buddy? I haven't talked to you in a while. Been traveling the world, doing big things, moving and shaking. Man, I'm ready to go, though. I'm ready have to you? go. I'm, I'm excited to be back with you, Steve Cofield. Have you really been traveling? I have. I've been I've been on the road a bit. I just got back from uh, from Austin, Texas, where I uh, I tried to say my my hellos to Chris Beard, but uh, yeah, he wasn't available. So road meant a flight. I was on a plane. Wow, on a jet the rest, plane. Huh? I you know what? I had my my N95 on the entire time. My the biggest risk I took on that plane was the fact that I was in a window seat and the last guy onto the plane when I had an open middle next to me, Southwest flight. Let's just say he was slightly larger than average. Ah. Um, he had sort of the, the extra shoulder rolls that spilled over into, uh, into my seat. I know that feeling. Uh, you, sir, would not compare to the person uh, who sat next to me on this big flight. Big fella. Big fella. Uh, it was, it, I, his he's he's a rotund gentleman. Anyway, uh, that was the biggest risk to me. Wow. All right. Well, we're seeing a little COVID issue around sports. Just a little. Just a little. Well, well, I seriously can't keep. If I we we could sit sit here for three hours and read a log of all the players in all the leagues, and some of the games are being canceled. That hasn't happened in the NFL yet. Uh, we lost one of our two games that are or were scheduled to go down at the Fortress on Saturday, and it looks like the other game would be a long shot as well. But uh, Kentucky-Ohio State by the wayside, and now it's a solo game, but the problem is it's UCLA and North Carolina, and Mick Cronin has COVID. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. We we have a a crazy scenario there. But, you know, all the COVID stuff and the Urban Meyer stuff is overshadowing what tonight I think is a really good game. And yet every promotion I hear about the game, like even the, the, the promo we wrote, is solely talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and, you know, can they put distance between themselves and the rest of the division? They lost to the Chargers in meeting number one, and they've got a one-game lead on the Chargers. I, I don't know, and in some ways I feel like a lot of people are discounting the Chargers' chances to win this at home. I got to tell you, Cofield, 
the fact that the total on this game at some books is 54 and a half is absolutely laughable to me. Who have the Chiefs been able to score against, not name the Raiders? They are averaging less than 17 points per game in their last five on anything that is not a game against the Raiders, against whom they've averaged, I don't know, roughly 75 points a game. So I don't know how the Kansas City Chiefs score that much. I don't know how the Los Angeles Chargers score that much. But when we look at who's playing the better football right now on both sides of the ball, Chargers hit their lull in the middle of the season. But Steve, I, I know you're not never going to power rate the Chargers above the Chiefs, but they are playing good football right now. They ripped my Giants last week, and Justin Herbert is starting to ball out again. The Chiefs' success of late is pretty crazy. Kansas City's won 12 straight games in December and January, and I can't even believe this is a is real, but eh, I mean, it's early on in his career, and the rest of the AFC West just hasn't been that good. They've never lost an AFC West road game with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's not been that long, but still, like not one freaking blip. They're not the same team. I, I don't know how to yeah. – if the defense wins this game for them, then the Chiefs will be 13-no. But it's going to have to be the defense winning this game for them. Did you already jump on the uh, high – what was the highest you saw it? Kansas City 4? No, I don't want the side in this thing. Uh, no, you don't? It, it, no, this will be total only for me. I, I don't want to – I don't want to get involved with the side. I could see the Chiefs winning a defensive kind of game if uh, if they continue to pressure Justin Herbert the way they've pressured other quarterbacks. Remember, Rashawn Slater is out in this game for the Chargers. He's been one of the best left tackles in football all year long, and Chris Jones has been eating tackles alive lately. So I, I think that under is a, uh, a safer play when you look at the way these two teams have been going. So it's fun the way the news cycle works. When a big story comes down uh, late night, like 12, 1230, 1 o'clock in the morning, in the Eastern time zone, we get it while we're still kind of humming along. And last night it came down, you know, 9, 930, 10 o'clock. Urban Meyer gone from Jacksonville. I don't think many of us are surprised. I think the story that finally pushed him over the edge is kind of ridiculous. And, I mean, if he did it, his actions are ridiculous. But this isn't a long string of, you know, leaks and stories and buffoonery. Um, and we didn't need a leak when he first got in there to uh, start this whole thing, bringing in a guy like Chris Doyle from Iowa, who was a horse's ass, um, you know, negative, nasty, boy, allegedly racist in terms of how he motivates players. And then we find out that Urban Meyer, in a lot of ways, is old school, which we'll get into this whole debate today about how coaches motivate and how things have advanced while certain coaches haven't, but they still have a lot of backers out there. So Urban Meyer, based on this story from Josh Lambeau, which apparently Lambeau reported to the organization way back when, the kicker is sitting there stretching out. Urban Meyer walks up to him, says, you know, make some kicks, dip ass, and then kicks him in the leg. Luckily for 57-year-old Urban Meyer, all Lambeau apparently said was, don't effing do that. And then I guess Urban Meyer said, well, make your blank and kicks. So here we are, Urban Meyer, after a string of stupid stories, mismanaging moves, and a terrible record is out before the end of his first year. It's just how much happened in less than a year. And we don't need to run down every little thing, but you just mentioned the story that sent it over the edge, which, by the way, and we're going to talk about this, apparently 
the front office of Jacksonville knew about back in August. And it lasted until now. But Urban Meyer didn't just try to portray the heavy. He didn't just try to go in there and be the big man. He also didn't want to be the big man. That's why he didn't get on the plane to go back to Jacksonville and instead went to Columbus. He wanted to be the big guy when he wanted it. When he didn't want it, he was going to duck and hide from it any way he could. But you know what, Cofield? There's only so much that I can blame him for. There's only so much that I think falls onto the shoulders of Urban Meyer because why did Urban Meyer become Urban Meyer? We made him that. We blow up these college coaches and their egos and their power and their salaries. And we're the ones who allow it. If we didn't support these teams when they pay nine, eight, seven million dollars a year for college coaches, Nick Saban, nine point seven five million, John Calipari, nine point three million, Ed O, nine million, David Shaw at Stanford, just under nine million. In fact, the top fifty public employees in the university system in the country are all either football coaches or men's basketball coaches. And number 50 is Mick Cronin at $3.6 million. We're the ones who allowed this to happen. We're the ones who are willing to turn a blind eye if our coaches are winning at our school. So if Urban Meyer tried to carry that college nonsense up to the NFL and get it blown out, well, guess what? We let him do it. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 2. It's a refi-rated Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. You have plan A, you have plan B, and good thing those whiteboards can be erased. And I said it yesterday, we have guys on this roster that we trust. We have guys on this roster that we've been developing, that, that are in the meetings, diligent about their preparation. Uh, and if we're calling on them this week, they'll be ready. That, that's what they do. That's their that's their job. That's what we have to do this week. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Oh, the weather outside is... Happy holidays, everybody! Yeah, around the NFL, 120 COVID positives now. We just find out the Browns were already in the soup with Baker Mayfield testing positive. Now Case Keenum has tested positive. So Raiders going to face the Browns on Saturday for some reason that really hasn't been explained. The game is still going down. I mean, even the most ardent Raiders fans got to look at this and go, this is kind of ridiculous with what's happening to the Browns. Gerard Cherry played in the NFL. He covers the scene. He's on ESPN Cleveland. And, you know, we had planned on just kind of breaking down the Browns game uh, with a normal roster, but that's not the case. Gerard, how you doing, buddy? I am doing great, but the football team that I know and love and cover is struggling right now as we speak with all this COVID running through the team in the locker room like crazy, man. This is unprecedented for us. I was like, okay, Case Keenum, we're good, but now we got Nick Mullins who's going to be our starter, it looks like. Yep. Uh, is the NFL being stupidly stubborn on this one, not moving the game? I mean, we can make that statement and feel that way, especially if you are the Browns, because you have an opportunity if you win this game to put yourself in a spot where you're going to make the playoffs more than likely. But at the same time, the last year it took place was the NFL. They're like, we're going to play games no matter what. We don't care. We're all about parity. But at the end of the day, we don't care who gets to the Super Bowl. Just make sure you get these games in. And they haven't deviated from that. So you have to respect that to a degree as well. What's been your reaction, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this the last couple of days, 
uh, with the talk out there that, hey, Case Keenum wasn't really going to be a big stat back from Mayfield. First that, and then, I mean, clearly Nick Mullins, I think, is a good third stringer, but there's going to be a drop-off here, right? Talk about the gap between what was going to be Mayfield to Keenum and now all the way down to Mullen. Well, we don't even know what Nick Mullins is capable of doing because I mean, four-year player out of Mississippi, I believe Southern Mississippi, and I just figured out what his number was, and his number nine. So I don't know much about Nick Mullins other than that he's been in the league for about four years. But the main thing is, you know what I was telling people? I was telling people that our best chance is that your football team decides what not to show up. That the same football team that walked out of the Kansas City and stepped on that logo is the same team that comes to Cleveland and decides that ultimately they don't want to play football at a high level. That's what I was banking on. But with this, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, what do you see when you look at the Raiders of the last couple of weeks? I just see a football team just interested in playing football at a high level. You can't do what they did on Sunday and then get beat the way they got beat. That's just embarrassing on one hand. and just makes me think these guys are in the mode of, all right, I got eight practices left. We got four games left. I'm going to get the U-Haul truck for this. I'm going to do that. And you're literally in meetings counting down the, the countdown of when the season's going to be over with. And that's a shame. But obviously you guys have had a lot of turmoil that you've had to deal with. And that obviously has had an impact on the football team that's taken its toll because I was definitely of the opinion that we were definitely being from Cleveland going to be in a fight with you all for who was going to make that wild card bid. Or I didn't think you guys would win a division, but I definitely thought you'd be up there for the wild card. Gerard, when players are doing that countdown in their heads and getting ready for the end of the season, I think it's popular among us in the media to say that they quit. And it feels like that word is too strong, but at the same time, it's a real thing when guys have kind of said, you know what, F this, I'm done with this season. Yeah, that's real, and they have quit. I mean, you have four games left, and the part that's really crazy about it is organizations, GMs, scouts, and the like, They remember the last four games of what you've done. And for some reason, I don't get why guys think they can go out there and just lay it out there and not give full-fledged effort and expect to be in the National Football League the following season, especially if they're on a bad football team. It amazes me, but I've seen it in locker room. I've seen it as a broadcaster take place, and it's a real thing. Guys, heck, I even had to deal with it and block it out when I was playing, especially for the Saints. Like, no, focus, focus, focus. Do not count down how many practices left. Do not count down how many plays are left on scout team. Focus. So it's a real thing, man. And you have to fight fight through it. But that's how much of a toll the season can take on you that you just want to escape for. And I feel for the Raiders because they've gone through it. Yeah, it's been unbelievable what they've had to deal with uh, this season. And yet, that doesn't mean that the Browns haven't had to deal with their own situations as the whole year has developed. Baker Mayfield, we have no idea how healthy or not healthy he really is. Um, Some sort of drama around the end between him and and OBJ. Uh, What's the future with Baker in this organization, considering his free agency is coming up? It's a big, gigantic question mark. Uncertainty unknown, because you would think going into the season, he had a great 2020 campaign, get you to the playoffs, you win a game, you beat the Steelers, your rival. But no contract. Going in this season, you're saying, okay, he's about. I was one of the guys from Baker's about to make anywhere from thirty to forty million million dollars. I cannot say that with a straight face. Now I don't even know if he'll make fifteen to twenty million dollars 
based upon how he's played and what the Browns are really thinking about him and can they go out there and find someone who could just manage the team and not have to pay him a boatload of money. So it's really uncertain because the play has just not been consistently good. It's been consistently subpar, and that's the problem. So Baker is a question mark, and that's crazy when you think about it because I've been around for most of those 31 quarterbacks that have come through here, here that have not succeeded. And, Gerard, how much of the attachment to Baker Mayfield do you think is because of that? How much are we grading him on a curve because the Tim Couches of the world didn't work out? Yeah, I believe that's part of it. How could you not do that? You win a playoff game. You have a winning record. You've been decent. And then all of a sudden you want to go back to what it used to be like when you go 3-13 and 13 or 3-14 and 14 now, I guess, would be the number more than likely. So that plays a part in it. But to the credit of the Browns organization, Andrew Berry and company, they're not letting that weigh in on them because had it been the old regimes of the past, Baker would have got his money in the offseason coming into the 2021 campaign and not have to wait the entire season to show us. What do you worry about more with him moving forward if uh, you are an organization, Browns or otherwise, to give him a big contract? Is it his physical skills or his mental maturity? I'm going to probably say it's fair to say both, and I'm a yeah. Baker supporter. I'm one of the main people in Cleveland who argues for him. But right now, you're not seeing growth in the areas that you need to see growth with one of being your fourth season, your second year in an offense. You're not seeing the check. You're not seeing the checks at the line of scrimmage. You're not seeing the surveying of the football field. And then the physical part of it, because I have the belief that once hurt, you're always hurt. And, and if he can't hold up to the physical demands, that might be the case because he's not the biggest guy. So all those things are questionable right now, and I hate that because I want to see him succeed. He's a good dude, and he's a fun guy to have around. And I believe he puts his heart right now. He's going to Gerard Cherry, former NFL player, does radio in Cleveland, ESPN Cleveland is with us. All right, got to flip the page to the, uh, the other big news of the day, and that is Urban Meyer, who I assume is still a mega figure in the state of Ohio. So what's been the reaction today to Urban going bye-bye? The reaction is, wow. believe it took that long because we were all of the opinion that Urban's not going to survive in the National Football League. Being a control freak, being a type of guy where it has to be his way or the highway, how is this going to work? How is his motivational tactics going to work with guys who make more than him, guys who are more important than him to the organization? So really, for the most part, we weren't surprised because obviously we saw what took place at Ohio State. We know the outcome of what took place in Florida as well. So no shock, no surprise here. And obviously what took place with the bar episode and the off-field misgivings and all that didn't surprise us. I ultimately believe this, guys. They came to him recognizing he's going to impact Trevor Lawrence in a negative way. We have to move on. And more stuff is probably going to come out, so let's move on. So right. I'm not surprised. You can go back and check. I was one of those guys like, one, why is this guy even in the National Football League? And two, I don't see him survive the entire year. What's your reaction to the uh, Josh Lambeau story that he got physical with a player? Not surprised at all. Look who he got physical with. With all <laughs> due respect to kickers, check is old school, but he won't grab you by the helmet and twist your neck and head and all that. He'll give you your personal space, but he'll curse you out. And and that doesn't have to be part of the game, but it still is a part of it. And for some people, they need that tough love or that challenge in that regard, and some can't handle it. But I, I wonder this, and I think about it from this standpoint, because in the military, did you guys know that you're not allowed to cuss at guys in basic training anymore? And I hear that, I'm like, that worries me. 
I mean, because it's not part of being coming soft. And so I do, it does concern me. But I think with football, it's definitely changing to that route because, heck, now guys get time to go check their phones for um, social media. So things are definitely changing. I'm, can I say for the better? I'm not ready to say that yet, but it's definitely changing. But I don't have a problem with coaches that yell and scream as long as I'm learning something and I'm getting better from it. But like you said, not everyone deals with it the same way, and not everyone needs, uh, needs to be motivated that way. Right, exactly. You definitely don't. Because, like, for example, Tony Dungy, he doesn't curse, but they were successful in Indy with, with, Indy, with the Colts and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he didn't curse. Another, and Kevin Stefanski, the coach of the Browns, he doesn't curse, and they've had some success. And there have been plenty of guys that have come through here that are all about the yelling and screaming and all that, and it has not worked. So different strokes, obviously, obviously for different folks and different ways and methods work. But ultimately, if you want to gain guys' respect in the National Football League, you really have to show them that, one, you're going to prepare him for the game because you'll respect that, and he's getting better, and you're treating him fair, and you're consistent. If you have those traits about yourself, you're going to survive in the National Football League as a head coach. So even though Urban Meyer and Belichick are buds to a certain extent, they're not the same guy? Oh, not even close. And plus, Bill can get away with it because he has a track record of success. What you do in the college rank, guys aren't going to respect that because it's a different game. You're dealing with a different mentality of what's taking place with the game. So just because you were, like you said, Nick Saban, he was accomplished. It didn't work in Miami. And he would play, and he actually had experience in the pros because he used to coach for the Browns when Belichick was in Cleveland. So it's about just really having the cachet. You'll get it when you've proven yourself over a long time and the track record, and Bill has that. But what Urban was trying to do that's not going to work. And the Tim Tebow part didn't help his cause either because right off the jump, guys weren't going to respect it. They said, what type of decision-making is this, and why would I want to follow that? Yeah, the thing that bothers me most about some of these coaches, and you know, I'll put Belichick in there. You say he's not like this, but it seems like there's a whole group of, of pals like Urban Meyer and Belichick and Parcells and Tony La Russa and Bob Knight. And, you know, we always hear from coaches about dedication and loyalty and discipline and like a large part of that group, if you look at them, like they've freaking faded at the end of their career because they were they were disloyal, they weren't dedicated, they freaking mm-hmm. turned on people, they didn't have discipline. That I think that's the biggest problem people have with certain coaches. Like, practice what you preach. You preach at us, and then when you know times get tough, you guys come unraveled. Exactly. That's exactly what the problem is. And I will say this in defense of Belichick. That dude's consistent. He hasn't changed. But some of the guys you just listed, yeah. You're going to tell me on one hand that I need to be to work on time, that I need to make it about team as opposed to about myself. Now, I'm not about self-promotion, but all about the team. Then you go out there and sign deals from a financial standpoint that all about your bottom line and not my bottom line. How can I follow that? How can I respect that? And that's really what it boils down to, simply being consistent and loyal and true to who you are, and guys will follow that. They will. But once you start deviating and thinking you're above everyone else, and people are below you, and that's where Urban really went wrong. In that, if it's true what he said it to his coaches that you guys are a bunch of losers, yep. Good luck. Yep. <laughs> good luck with that. Yep. That is not a way to motivate people, and I understand that's probably the way Urban Meyer was spoken to. But you got to grow up at some point, bro. You got you got to change. You're 57 years yeah, you old. Evolve, man. You know, yeah. we we all have to evolve. And believe me, every time this happens, I think about you know the way I operate in the workplace, like you. You got to grow up. Some tactics don't work. They weren't acceptable. They're not certainly not acceptable now. Last one: If two years from now, you know, there's going to be a college program that's got money and is desperate. If you were running that program, would you would you hire Urban Meyer? And more importantly, if you had a kid, would you send Urban uh, that your child 
to play college football? For me, no, 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 because I recognize and see him for who he is. But for other people, they probably will. And there is some athletic director out there, and you guys know it, who's on his last leg and needs to win some football games and his football or bust on that campus. And he's going to hire that dude because he's going to make a nice speech and he's going to fall in line with it. But I would not send my child there. And granted, even if my kid had pro aspirations and herb to his credit, that's put a lot of guys into the league. But heck no. I know what that's all about. I don't want him influencing my child. And granted, he could change his life around. And if I saw that and I thought it was sincere, then I'd give him another opportunity. So I shouldn't completely write him off. But if he's the same dude today and that he was and will be that way tomorrow, I want no parts of it. J.R. Cherry 3 up on Twitter, ESPN Cleveland, uh, multiple time Super Bowl champion. Gerard Cherry, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. There he is, Gerard Cherry. Played. Under Belichick, like you mentioned, rough times with the Saints. On the way back, I do want to address what Candy said about 15 minutes ago about this is our fault because we tolerate this and we make these guys in the freaking out-of-control beast. Daily happy hour starts at 3 with beers, well drinks, and margaritas, just two seventy-seven. The question is, will anybody hire him? And the answer for me simply is yes. Think about it. These athletic directors, presidents of universities, are desperate to try to win. How many coaches have we seen embarrass universities, embarrass programs, embarrass themselves, take a little bit of a hiatus and chill for a little bit, and come back on top? We see it all the time. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Boy, there's a lot going on. That's Keyshawn. Probably right. You know, forgiveness tour. Urban could be back. Man, our sports schedule is falling apart, Candy, as uh, locally we had the college basketball tournament at the Fortress going down. We still have North Carolina UCLA, the other part of that doubleheader. Kentucky and Ohio State, that's off. It looks like in the NHL, Montreal Canadiens announced that tonight's game against the Flyers at the Bell Center, no fans. No fans, as requested by the local government, as COVID-19 cases rise. And while sports gambling shouldn't be our first concern, eh, it does affect how we gamble, when we gamble, when you don't know if there's going to be players. I mean, we just found out Case Keenum is positive. It is lunacy right now. Lunacy. Trey Wingo is here to try to straighten things out, a voice of reason, maybe. Trey, how you doing? Uh, voice of reason in this uh, situation, you're, you're asking an awful lot, but it's great to be with you guys. We appreciate you coming on with us on uh, short notice. All right, let's go back to what Keyshawn said coming into the break and um, you know about Urban having a chance down the road. Just your initial reaction to yet another coach, kind of an old-school disciplinarian, going bye-bye from the coaching ranks for now because he can't change his tactics. Well, there's two things there, right? Uh, I wrote about this in August. I expected it to fail. Uh, I didn't expect it to fail this spectacularly, but I – you know, he made two questionable decisions before they even played a game. He tried to hire Chris Doyle, the strength coach from Iowa, who was uh, let go or resigned from Iowa because there were many African-American players that didn't feel like he was treating them correctly. Uh, so the idea that you would bring in that guy to a locker room of grown men, most of whom were African-American, made no sense. Uh, then there was the signing of Tim Tebow to a contract. I didn't even try out a contract which made no sense. He was 0-for-2 before he played a preseason game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I never thought it was going to work. I didn't think he would make it work this poorly. 
uh, or make it fall apart this poorly. But I also think Keyshawn's right. Look, people forget. Like, do you remember Bobby freaking Petrino? Oh, yeah. Okay? Bobby Petrino abandoned the Atlanta Falcons in the middle of the season to take the Arkansas job and left a note in each one of the Falcons' lockers that said, Dear Falcon Player. Didn't even the the most dumbest thing of all time to take the Arkansas job, then completely embarrasses himself in the Arkansas situation with that motorcycle accident and everything that went on with it, and he got another opportunity to coach at Louisville. So, yeah, Urban Meyer will never set foot in the NFL again, and quite frankly, good riddance. The NFL's better off without him. Uh, But college football and the insane arms race and cash rush to, to find a big coach, yeah, he's won more national championships in college than he did NFL games in the regular season. I've absolutely, at some point, someone's going to hire him again in the college game. So let's go down this rabbit hole about how to coach, how to manage, and that there are still lots of ADs and lots of bosses who will tolerate someone belittling employees, potentially physically getting after them. When does this stop? Why is it still acceptable? Uh, it's, it, I don't know if it's ever going to stop, but it's acceptable because the only thing that matters are wins and losses. Right? Like, let's just, let's just take a hypothetical here. If the Jags were somehow 10 and 2, and all the stuff that we know now, we would know when Urban Meyer was 10 and 2, would he be fired? Hmm. Right, right. He wouldn't be. He, yeah. he would not be. He ab- oh, it's like that old line from Bull Durham. Uh, you know, if you win 20 games in the show and you have fungus on your shower shoes, you're colorful. If you're in the minor leagues and you have fungus on your shower shoes, you're a slob. You know, it, it, winning dictates everything. Everyone loved Carson once when they were w- winning in Philadelphia. Then suddenly when they weren't winning, he was, uh, you know, he was the guy who was out for himself and not a team player. Everything is colored by whether you win or lose, especially in the NFL. Um, all the other stuff, I'd really, I, what I'm fascinated most about now, I'd love to hear from players that played for Urban at Ohio State, mm-hmm. at Florida, and see if, you know, they feel comfortable saying some stuff now that they probably didn't say, uh, feel comfortable saying before. Because if you go back and look at that Florida team that Urban had, not only was it extremely talented, there were a lot of guys with a lot of questionable character issues on that Florida team, including the tight end who shall never be named again. Yep. Very much enabled, uh, I'll mention him, Aaron Hernandez. And, and uh, I mean, and Belichick was willing to take him. And a uh, bunch of others, you know? Yep. yep. Uh, all right. I want to go behind. Let, let's, let's go in this direction. Um, so I mentioned Urban Meyer, you know, the rehab tour, which could mean he works in the media. You don't have to name names, but I just wonder if we pull back the curtain, especially on TV, when guys like Urban Meyer, these coaches who may need the rehab tour, they come in, they're making millions of dollars. Have you seen them act the same way? Have you worked with former athletes who troubled athletes, troubled coaches? They come into TV and they actually act like a horse's ass there too, and it's tolerated? Um, I, yeah, but it, it, at our, when I was at ESPN, it wasn't tolerated for very long. I mean, you know, Everybody gets in on their name, and you stay by whether or not you're any good and how you treat people. Um, so uh, I'm sure he'll get an opportunity somewhere. Um, but, you know, it's up to, it's up to that, that company that decides to hire him to do the rehab tour. Be honest and ask him some really tough questions. Otherwise, no one's going to take him seriously. I, I wondered when Bob Knight came into ESPN after battling with the media 100%. his entire career and yep. then is, like, borderline sleeping on the air and not prepared – and I guess he told some funny stories, and he's still Bobby, and he's grumpy. Like, I don't know. Is, yeah. that, is that acceptable? I don't think so. I mean, like, yeah. I'm glad, listen, just to show you how things have changed, 
Uh, and, you know, I don't know how many are your listeners here will even remember this. Bob Knight once said on an NBC national television interview mm-hmm. with Connie Chung, yep. when he was the head coach at Indiana, if rape is inevitable, a woman should just lay back and enjoy it. And he kept his job at Indiana at that time, in the 80s. You can Google that. That's a real thing. That would never happen again, obviously, thankfully, in this day and age. But that's, that's how entrenched some people were with the idea of, oh, <laughs> he's just making a funny joke. You know, it's, it's, it's right. embarrassing. Troy Wingo joining us, former of ESPN, current of Caesar Sportsbook, Chief Trends officer there, as well as the Half Forgotten podcast. And we've seen some pretty significant movement from the decision to fire Urban Meyer on the line here with the Jaguars in a lot of places going from three-point favorites out to five-point favorites. And again, when we come off the three, that's not an insignificant move. Uh, Trey, did I miss something? Did the Jaguars also sign some better players? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, but it does, listen, you know, people always say chemistry is just something you have in in science class in high school. That's not true. Like, good teams find good karma, and they trust each other, and they believe in each other. Um, and I think there's probably a lot of players. I mean, he didn't even know who was playing in the games. Like, you know, I mean, like, they asked him about Cisco, and he's like, yeah, we're trying to get him more playing time. He had zero snaps in that game. So he, like, you could have made up a player's name and asked Urban Meyer about it. He probably would have said, yeah, yeah, that, we're working him into the rotation. That, that's how disconnected this guy was. Um, so you're right. They, they haven't gotten better in terms of talent-wise, but they might be better as a team. Like Teddy Bruschi used to always say, it's one thing to acquire a bunch of good players. It's another thing to be a good team. And those two things sometimes aren't exactly go hand in hand. And I think that there's a big sense of, look, I can't tell you how many texts I got from people inside the building starting in September about, you wouldn't believe the stuff that is going on here. So this has been something that I think a lot of people have been waiting for, and they might come out and play their best game of the year on uh, this weekend just because of that. It's possible. Fair enough. Well, We know that you're as plugged in as anyone when it comes to the league, and we have become more plugged in here in Vegas uh, over time with the Raiders here. And now the Super Bowl. My goodness, the Super Bowl coming to Las Vegas. And, of course, there are those of us who've been around Vegas for a long time who say, wait a minute, we remember when we couldn't advertise Las Vegas on the Super Bowl, and now the Super Bowl is here. Uh, What have been your thoughts on the evolution of legalized sports betting and the relationship with the leagues? Well, obviously, it changed dramatically with the Supreme Court ruling a couple of years ago. So if, if that doesn't change, uh, I'm not sure we're seeing this rapid up movement in, that, in this direction. You know, but, I mean, just, just to put it, like, one of my favorite movies of all time is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And one of the last lines in that movie is, life moves pretty fast around here. And if you don't stop and take a look at it, you could miss it. And I think that describes where we've gone with the NFL's relationship with gambling, which, by the way, has always been there whether anyone wanted to admit it or not. I mean, the only reason you submit two injury reports during the week is to make sure the line is set correctly. Let's be honest. Why else, why else would you want to tell everybody where your best players are hurting? You know, it's like target practice. And that, that existed for one reason and one reason only. But, you know, once that, once that Supreme Court ruling came down, everything changed. I mean, you guys remember in 2015, Tony Romo, as a Cowboys quarterback, couldn't hold a fantasy football convention in a Las Vegas hotel. Now... The Super Bowl is coming. There's a team there. The draft was supposed to be there in 2020. It's coming back again in 2022. Uh, this, this has been uh, something that the league has embraced rather quickly because, A, they can, and, B, because the NFL is really good at one thing, making money. 
and there is far too much money uh, on the line for them not to be embracing what is now legal in every state that wants it to be legal. And like you said, Trey, it's always been there. You know that. It's I know that. There, yeah. And, we're, yeah. we're just talking about it more openly now. You know what I mean? Which, by the way, is a good thing. Let's just, like, I, I, I hate it, you know, when Al Michaels had to say, like, Al Michaels never said that, Trey. Al Michaels <laughs> never said, doot, doot. No, he didn't do that. He didn't Al do that. That's, the, that's false. That's false. And you know what, Trey Wingo? I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't care if you used to work for ESPN. Al Michaels never said that. Wow, well, Candy getting heated. I don't care if he's our guest. Getting real heated. Or, <laughs> or, if, his, or if his phone just dropped in the middle of the interview. I don't care. We're going to work on getting Trey back on. Trey Wingo working with Caesar Sportsbook. Chief trends officer also has his uh, podcast the half forgotten podcast by the way we're out at silver sevens flamingo and paradise william hill book is right across the way you can bet 30 different props on the chiefs and chargers tonight and the chiefs did just move to minus three minus 120 in this one the total just bumped up to 54 so trey's back with us trey uh continue on the uh, path you were going you uh, you said something about al michaels and then that was it Sorry about that. Yeah, basically, you know, Al Michaels used to have to sort of jokingly say at the end of the game, well, you know, uh, that, that kick means something to a lot of people in certain places. Right. Now everybody talks about it openly. And, like, we have rules officials now in the booth, right? You have, uh, you know, you have uh, Gene Steratore, you have Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, John Parr, uh, all these, John Perry, excuse me, uh, with, with all these networks. I'm convinced that sooner rather than later we're going to have an odds official that will explain a lot of the things that are affecting the line and the prop bets in the games in the booth. It's inevitable. Well, along those lines, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Uh, what's it been like for you as you've become deeper entrenched in the space now working with Caesars? You know, it's funny. It, it, to me, nothing has really changed for me uh, because I'm not an odds maker. I'm not, I'm not a sharp. Uh, the way I explain it is I'm the why guy. Like, why are the Chiefs, what, three-point favorites going into this game against a pretty good quarterback who's at home? And, then, you know, they win. The division is suddenly very much entrenched, well, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, they've won 11 straight road division games with Patrick Mahomes under center. He's never lost one. There's only two streaks longer in the history of the NFL. Peyton Manning had a 12-game winning streak against AFC South division opponents, and Joe Montana back in the day had a 20-game division winning streak on the road against uh, divisional opponents. You know, things like that. The Chiefs are going for their seventh straight win, season with at least 10 wins. They'd be only the fifth team in NFL history to do that, and they've won six in a row. They come in smoking hot, and you know, outside of the Chris Jones injury or Chris Jones COVID situation, they're actually pretty darn healthy for this game. And Rayshon Slater's out for the Chargers, so those two are pretty much a wash to begin with. So my job is just to explain why the odds are the way they are using statistical data. So for me, my job hasn't changed very much. It's just the, the venue in which it's being presented. Yeah, it's funny, as this was all coming together, we heard leagues talking about the integrity, integrity fees, and we kind of laughed at it in Vegas. Like, don't worry about our integrity. Worry about yours. And I, I do. I wonder, with COVID just blowing up in the NFL, as far as integrity, and, and Raiders fans should be behind this, too, because this could happen to the Raiders in the coming weeks. The fact that the Browns are now yeah. down 15 guys, 16 guys, their top two quarterbacks, Nick Mullins is now going to have to play. I mean, geez, the, the former Redskins football team, they're going to have a male model at center, what are we doing John here? Coach. Can we move? Can yeah. we move back the games, Trey? Please. Well, you know it's funny. We did it last year, and it wasn't an issue. Remember, last year was the first year in the history yeah. of the NFL that we had a game on every day of the week—Sunday, right, right, right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday—based on 
a couple of games being moved and Christmas being on a Friday. And the NFL is like the NBA now. They want to have games on Christmas Day. So, uh, yeah, I don't understand why it's not possible to move games this year because they were able to move them so conveniently last year. And one thing I've heard is, well, we have fans in attendance now. Okay, fine. But let's be honest. The NFL didn't lose money last year when tickets weren't being sold and people weren't in the stands. They still made boatloads of money. So to me, that's a red herring. That's a false flag. You can say that's why you're choosing not to, and some people will buy it. I'm not buying it. If you wanted to move the games, you could move the games. You did it last year at your leisure, whenever you felt like it to. There's no reason that you can't think about going down that road for competitive balance with this massive outbreak. Right now, we have more people on the COVID list than we had at any point last year in 2020. This is a big deal. Let's close on this. Uh, Your podcast recently, Bubba Watson, what came out of that convo? Uh, it was great. You know, Bubba's actually been a very interesting guy and has been through a lot. And uh, he, he wrote a book about some of the struggles that he's been going through. But, you know, he, he's like, I, I never would have thought that Bubba Watson would be a two-time major winner, let alone uh, uh, the Masters twice, because he's a very temporal, temperamental sort of emotional guy. And for him to be able to pull through that uh, was very interesting. I'm also trying to get him and, and uh, Ricky and Hunter Mayhem and uh, everybody else to get back together and Ben Crane and do another Golf Boys video, because I feel like... <laughs> That would be a gift for the holiday season that we would all enjoy. Nice. Nice. Uh, check out the podcast, Half Forgotten History, with Trey Wingo. He's working with Caesars and William Hill, and he's nice enough to join us every once in a while. Thank you so much. You got it, guys. Anytime. Take care. There he is. Trey Wingo. Trey Wingo. He also had to mention Candy in uh, his tweet about his podcast, Why Am I Not Talking About the Beatles? Oh, Lord. Do we go down this path? This has been swirling around the show, and especially with – Adam Hill, whose life has now been taken over by another TV show that he can't get away from. Have you watched any of the Beatles documentary? I have told people in my life for a long time, if you ask me the question, have you watched, have you seen, the answer is going to be no. Okay, I well, that's a gentle nudge. No, I, I want to, be driven, don't be wrong. But if like, you want to be driven I, over the edge, start Adam, watching this thing. Adam told me. No, I talked to Adam out at the Westgate on Sunday morning, and yeah. he was telling me, he's like, he's like, nothing actually happens in this thing, yep, but yep. I can't stop watching it. And it was still going. I could, was conversing with him yesterday, and we had the same conversation. Actually, we did our podcast late last night, and he started going down the Beatles path. And then, you know, Judge Dan, who's on the podcast, he started flipping out because you, when you watch this thing, you have to be engaged, fully engaged. You can't have your phone. You can't be messing around with anything else around you. You have got to listen. It. it when you, when you mention a documentary as being fascinating, but you have to be locked in and concentrate, it kind of takes some of the fun away. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.